Em Rossiano and Michael Lucas. If a girl looks like me, I'll go for her. I mean, come on. You've got to respect that. <laughs> this is Emsolation. For me, it was just blank rejection, no sex. <laughs> I don't think parents congratulate kids when they come out every time. I know I will if that happens here. <laughs> That's your dream job. Sit at home with a microphone. Judging hot people. <laughs> You're in Emsolation. Hello, and look, it's a special occasion. Welcome to the 50th episode of Emsolation. <gasps> yeah! Woo! Fireworks, fireworks, trumpets. Celebrate the time. Come on. Trumpets. 50 episodes. Episodes, episodes. We're pretty excited. <laughs> Look, to mark the occasion, uh, on Friday you're going to be getting a very special podcast where we've collated the top 10 moments from... The last 50 episodes, you guys had input. A lot of you contacted us when the call was put out on social media and you nominated your favourite chats, segments, topics. So we've gone through those meticulously and Matt, my editor, is currently building that little gem you'll be able to listen to on Friday. It'll be full of lols. Oh, I can hear my kids' eyes rolling from here. They hate it when I say lol. So, yeah, we're pretty excited. I can't quite believe that when we started this thing on April the 6th, that I would still be here in lockdown on, uh, what is it, the 27th of August, <laughs> talking to you guys. But here I am, and we'll just keep it going, shall we? I got some very good news today. Not, you know, not personally me, but a friend of mine did, and I'm super excited. And I just wanted to share with you all Christy Whelan Brown, who is a good friend of mine. She's been on this show before, actually. She's an incredible actress, extremely prolific in the Australian musical theatre scene. She was in Muriel's Wedding, she was in Xanadu. She's so talented and such a lovely human. Her and her husband, Rowan, announced that they're expecting today. Um, she has been very public about her issues with infertility, all the IVF stuff she's been going through. She was told she had a very small, almost non-existent chance of falling pregnant. They said that to her straight off the bat. They told her she had a very low egg count and lo and behold, the miracle of miracles. Oh God, I was so happy when she announced it. It's just the best news. And I, I know how much they've been wanting a baby and I just, they're such a lovely couple. It's just nice when good things happen to good people. So well done, Christy. I know you're listening. I know you listen to us. Well done, darling. We're, Michael and I are both so thrilled for you. And I also want to give a shout out to another person who I deeply admire. Her name is Monique Bowley. She is a podcast producer. She works for ABC. She's worked for Mamma Mia. She's just a really good lady. She's good people. She uh, gave birth yesterday uh, and in, in, in lockdown. So she had to leave her two-year-old son at home with her husband. She said goodbye to them. She drove herself to the hospital, she checked herself in. She gave birth to a beautiful baby girl and I think she's getting ready to go home. And it's just, I mean, the, my heart goes out to any of you, especially if you've got kids at home, you've got to leave them with your partner because we're in, you can't get a babysitter in. So a lot of you are birthing children on your own and that's, you know, it's a bit upsetting. But then I did read something that said that um, at the moment because of the pandemic and because there can't be any visitors, Mothers and babies are having a lot more bonding time and women are recovering faster because they're not getting up and down for visitors who are coming in and out to wish them well. So there's been a slight silver lining on the whole capping of visitors to see mothers who have just birthed. And I have to say, 
when I first gave birth to Marcella, there's a few relatives I wouldn't have mind, you know, having to be in lockdown to say that they couldn't come because it was pretty hectic. So, yeah, so two bits of baby news that I thought was pretty great. <laughs> well, uh, we'll get Michael in. Obviously, the Republican National Convention is currently happening. Melania Trump has just spoken. And as Michael and I were recording, she was taking to the podium dressed in this severe military fashion outfit. Um, I have become completely immersed in what's going on in the pol- in the political <laughs> sphere in the US. Just the scandalous stuff. I'm not going deep in the analysis, you know, of policies or anything. But um, there was an incredible speech given by Kimberly Guilfoyle, who is um, Don Jr.'s girlfriend, but also the national chairwoman of the Trump Victory Finance Committee. She shouted for six minutes. It was extraordinary. When I say extraordinary, I mean terrifying. So we talk about that. And Michael brings to us a moral dilemma. Oh, I wonder what you will think about my answer to that. And I, did, I found out live on air, you'll hear that. But uh, yes, he has a genuine moral dilemma. And my husband totally redeemed himself, totally and utterly redeemed himself yesterday by allowing me to hold a magpie funeral. All will be revealed in what is our 50th episode. How exciting. Play the music. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. All right, well, we've just had to stop watching Melania Trump's speech at the Republican National Convention to record our 50th episode. Congratulations, Michael Lucas. Congratulations. 50. We are disturbingly close to that in our numerical ages. That's what's really freaking me out. I am nine years away from that. How dare you? I know, but we're closer to it than 30. Although I did send you pictures of Claudia Schiffer at her 50th birthday and bitches kept it tight. Whoa. She certainly has. We're not about celebrating women because they've managed to stay unbelievably young. We don't do that. <laughs> That's not important. We don't congratulate women who age well. But <laughs> we just present facts the without fact, any yeah. spin. Correct. And the facts are Claudia Schiffer doesn't have a line on her face. Could have been some footage from 1992. What? Is she some kind of time wizard? Anyway... That aside, we have broken away from watching Melania presenting, but we can tell you she delivered a stunning catwalk. She came out of the Oval Office to walk past the barren wasteland, a.k.a. the Rose Garden, (laughs) that she created. And um, you described her, her look as serving, what did you say? Army Barbie? Army, Army Catwalk Barbie, Barbie Army, or something like that. She's serving Army Catwalk Barbie chic. She's the only speaker, to my knowledge, of both conventions to have been able to do a walk. And she did mm. sashay the runway, guys. Don't even worry. Cinched waist in this, in this amazing suit that does look like she's off to war. A very glamorous war. Extremely uh, glamorous. And she's just, we've just had to tear ourselves away, but no doubt there'll be some highlights later. But there was a lot of my husband. Yes, um, and Donald. She called him Donald at one point. Donald. Yes, yeah, so we'll be she talking had about it. that. She was, she was hitting all her marks except <laughs> blinking. Blinking seemed Blink, to be Melania. a step too far. <laughs> maybe it's like a secret code, though. You know, like maybe blinking's considered a sign of weakness in the Trump family. It's hard. It does feel that like when a lot of them speak, they could do with some more blinking. <laughs> she just needs someone in her ear going, blink. 
and blink like that. That's all she needs. <laughs> but I have been transfixed by the RNC already. And a lot of you, if you're not following it, you won't have, you would have heard Kimberly Guilfoyle's speech without the telly even being on because <laughs> um, she screamed the entire thing. Now, Kimberly Guilfoyle is the national chairwoman of the Trump Victory Finance Committee, but also Don Jr.'s girlfriend, most importantly. And mm. she, talk about glamour Barbies. My God. <laughs> Yeah, that is some commitment to eyeliner. Everything. And that hair as well. Hair. She was. Per- she looked like a Miss Universe contestant. And mm. um, her and Don Jr.'s couple name, they've given themselves a couple name. Oh, no. I'll tell you. You ready? Mm. Don Donbelly. Donbelly. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure about it. <laughs> Sounds like Dottery or something like that. Donbelly. I don't I just, know. Mm. I love it when couples try to start couple nicknames themselves. It always you and Scott up. have really eschewed that, and uh, I think for good reason. What, what, what I mean, what, where would you end? Oh, it, s- there's no way to do it. It's just impossible. The names will not. There's no Brangelina opportunities Scott, with M and Scott. Sounds like Scrotum. Scottum. Scott Melia. Sounds like a disease. Scamelia. It does. Scamelia. It does sound sounds like, like a foot condition. Venereal. Anyway, she did six minutes of all caps speaking. It was incredible. And yeah. a little bit of background on Kimberly. I know what did your deep dive find? I know that we've both been fascinated with her. What did your deep dive find on Kimberly Guilfoyle? Oh, the the part that is absolutely riveting to me is that she was married to the mm. now governor of California, mm-hmm. Gavin Newsom, and she actively bagged out California in her speech. Yeah. Like she was sitting there going, if you want to see what America will look like under the Democrats, <laughs> just have a look at California. Yeah. I mean, what yeah, right. a way to get back at your ex. But also, you know, he's a rising star of the Democratic Party. She's really, she's, yeah. uh, you know, she's really changed allegiance. She accused her husband's fine state of having needles strewn across the street full of ice addicts. So, you wow. know, she didn't hold back. But yeah. I think one of my favourite tidbits about her was that she was fired from Fox News in 2018 for sharing dick pics around the office. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know of whose dick pics? All I know is she was emotionally abusing hair and makeup staff, which is not cool. It's an engineering achievement to I have agree. that quality of hair. Yeah. That she, I mean, that it's just simply that hair yeah. looked like you could actually lift that off her head and yes. it would maintain perfect structure. It was I so agree. hard, that hair. And I imagine that she would have been screening more hairspray. Ma! Ma! Yeah. Don't stop! No! Like I can, I can imagine the emotional abuse that would come from having to create this vision that you see before you. I don't know who the dick pics were. It was sexual misconduct for sharing um, male anatomy photos around the office. I don't know whose it was. Probably Don Jr.'s. Who knows? Um, Mm. But this, I I mean, if I had to pick my favourite part of the speech, it would be this bit where she um, basically is warning her base of white middle-class women that the apocalypse is inevitable if Joe Biden wins the election. Have a listen. They want to destroy this country and everything that we have fought for and hold dear. They want to steal your liberty, your freedom. They want to control what you see and think and believe so that they can control how you live. They want to enslave you to the weak, dependent, liberal, victim ideology to the point that you will not recognize this country or yourself. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. 
Now, this speech is being kind of made fun of, but I wish to make a contentious point that it was fucking successful. Don't you think? Well, look, if she wanted a part in the next Hunger Games movie, I really think she's put herself in pole position because on that front it was flawless. No, I know what you mean. I mean, it's it, it had cut through and, yeah. and it's, the, it's the one that we're talking about. Correct. Uh, and that's got to count for something, doesn't it? it? And it's also, it was, it was a very effective battle cry to her base, to their base. They're not trying to win over swing states anymore. They're not trying to go for people who are on the fence. They are just flat out going, we, we know who our people are. We're not going to pander to anyone else. We are going for our base. And I think that she was so effective in doing that. It was, and anyone who thinks that that speech hasn't had an impact or, or done some damage to the Democrats is kidding themselves. Because oh. anyone who has a modicum of fear about what might happen if, you know, the left get in in America, anyone who's in, on the fence or a centrist may have been stirred by that. I'm not do you joking. think, or yes. do, were they, do, did she just look like an insane person? I mean, I think the critical thing is, you know, if it was in front of a crowd, you know that that would have been getting cheers and everything like that. But without it, she was pitching it so hard, so full on. At the end, she was doing the full Ava Perron arm screaming oh. and everything like that. Didn't, I mean. Uh, it was I like she was on the balcony in Evita, 100%. No, I just think if I may be analytical M, like political analyst with no affiliations to anyone, I know I've been rational M and stabby M. Political M. Yeah. So I know I've been rational M and stabby M. Let political analyst M come in and with no Mm. bias, I would say this speech was a total success and I think didn't do them any harm. So, you know, we'll wait and see. We should just say that you come from a position, setting aside politics, you're a fan of excess. You like excess. <laughs> you like people to go hard, go big. Oh, she, In terms of public performance, yes, you high know me camp, well. low yes. subtlety often yes. works well for you. A hundred percent. You've nailed me. And not only that, she, I've been watching a lot of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and she looks like all of them have been combined into a terrifying fembot and placed upon a podium in a tight red Rebecca Cavalli frock with stunning nude heels, a nine-inch nonetheless, perfectly coiffed hair, not a pore on her face, not a line on her face, white teeth, and just <laughs> shouting in this most extreme way. And I do, it did, yes, appeal to a certain part of me. And there's already sassy gays redoing the speech online in TikToks. So... <laughs> <laughs> Mocking it. I guess it just, I mean, it all comes down to if you've pushed it so hard, you've ended up a meme. Success, <laughs> is that a success or is that a failure? And jury's out. I think it could go either way, I think. I, I think. just have to say, as a performance piece, 10 out of 10 for me. <laughs> <laughs> content. As, as content. a pitch for a reality franchise to come. Yeah. So oh, I would watch the fucking shit out of Kimberly Guilfoyle. I would watch her. <laughs> I would watch her all the time. I would be all over a reality TV show with Kimberly Guilfoyle. But what she said in the speech, really wrong, really terrifying. Hopefully it never comes to fruition. Oh, my God. But there are other problems for Donald this week because his other speakers, 
Well, one's had to step down, Miriam Mendoza, because she was meant to speak this week, but unfortunately she shared an extremely anti-Semitic Twitter thread to her followers about uh, the apparent Jewish plot to take over the world. So she has been asked to not speak anymore. Oh, did and you, then, and it, this is strange. I'm almost surprised. I mean, they've sort of hit the point now that yeah. when all these things happen, they normally just double down. Pretty much, <laughs> And also um, Abby Johnson, anti-abortionist activist Abby Johnson, I believe that's on her business cards, um, is speaking tomorrow and she believes that uh, there should just be household voting and women shouldn't get an individual vote. So she's a peach. That's fantastic. (laughs) Um, but, Michael, my favourite story to kind of derail the RNC this week is a pool boy, already I'm excited, a pool boy has come forward and said he's been having a seven-year affair with a married couple, ultra-conservative evangelical leader Jerry Falwell and his wife Becky with the good hair. Um, yeah. And he's the head of the college, the Evangelical College Liberty University and Trump's most public and staunch high-ranking evangelical supporter. So, uh. um, yes. I do always have, there's a special place in my heart for when hyper, hyper conservative religious or evangelical anti-gay people get exposed for having wild affairs. And I really, full respect for this poor boy who's obviously been sitting on this for a while. Yeah. The story, I mean, other things as well, potentially. (laughs) But he sat there and he's waited and he's timed it. He's timed his approach and I salute it. See, the, the interesting thing was um, Jerry had already been stood down from the evangelical uh, church because um, there was a photo released of him with his pants undone at a party. And then uh, Guillermo, I think his name is, it's the name you'd, if you were going to central casting, this guy is the pool boy you would cast. He's amazing. <laughs> um, Puerto Rican <laughs> and, you know, hot. And um, I, I just, everything about this is appealing to me. Again, the wrong kind of appeal. I'm, you know, not great that they're total hypocrites and and condemn marriage equality and, and people in perfectly happy, loving couples and claim to be moral and all that. And they're having a, a torrid affair with a poor boy. But I still enjoy the pageantry of this whole situation. <laughs> Anything that involves a poor boy, you're going to enjoy. Yeah, poor boys have always loomed large in your personal imagination, <laughs> mostly for yourself in retirement. No, but not They're to often ride. accompanied by a turban. Yeah, no, yeah, but not because I want to have sex with them. I want them to make me. Oh drinks. no, God no! You, but you do. You want them to be off seducing other people and then telling you all about it, though. Oh yes, that they must all be gay. I don't want any straight poor boys working for me. <laughs> um, oh no, exactly. Because so- you also need them. Their main job would be figuring out your lighting. I mean, yes. let's face it. The pool is a secondary concern. <laughs> And making sure the gin fountain is stocked and the 10 chihuahuas are fed, you know, and making sure I do have a clean selection of turbans each morning to pop on my head and that my caftans are nicely ironed because <laughs> caftans get quite crumpled in the due to their fragile nature. You know, who's going to be steaming my caftans and putting on my turbans and feeding my dogs? The gay pool boys. So um, you said to me, I mean, well, obviously we'll cover up more Melania when we can. I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to go and watch every single moment, every eye blink, every hand gesture. But you said to me, you said to me, Em, I have a moral dilemma. And I said to you, up, 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 wait till we're recording. So this is okay. the first time I am hearing your moral dilemma. Okay, go. Which is, uh, it, on one level, you could say it's very shallow, but I'm sure you'll see the depths of the dilemma here. When have I so, ever accused anything of being too shallow? My dilemma is that I have reason to believe that mm-hmm. my hairdresser, who I'm mm-hmm. very committed, very loyal to, have had a good relationship and has transformed my hair from 
a, sort of a pretty sort of daggy style too. Even you at times have commented that I've had good hair in recent, in recent years. Anyway, it's a very good relationship. I have reason to believe he is a COVID denier, a conspiracy <gasps> theorist. Where does that leave me? Can I still keep going? <laughs> Do I need to confront the issue? I've got family that are frontline workers. My cousin is, is a social worker. My niece is a nurse. They both have people. They have, thank God, not gotten sick themselves. They've had people in the team go down with COVID. I feel like the actions of COVID conspiracy theories are threatening my family. But at the same time, he does a very good, very funky sort of like stylish mullet situation that I can't get anywhere else. What do I do? Oh, it's hard to get a stylish mullet. Okay. I'm going to need to hear, I'm going to need to hear the evidence. Okay. I'm putting on my judge Judy outfit. What has led you to believe he is a COVID-19 denier? Okay. There was an initial sign early because obviously I haven't been able to use his services of late. But when back in March, when it was all sort of welling around the world, hadn't really hit here yet, he was sort of starting to say things then like, oh, yeah, I mean, my friends are sort of saying it's it's actually, it's not actually true. It's a, they're doing it for sort of economic reasons. And Mm. he was doing a bit of that, but he read, uh, at the time I said, look, I come from a family that have all worked in infectious diseases. So it's, and he shut up really, really quickly. But we should point out that your father was, no, no, you should, don't gloss over your father was one of the world leading experts, medical doctor doctors in infectious diseases. Like he was. That's right. His official and, title was medical doctor doctor. And um, no, no, but he was, like, yeah, your, he was absolutely. Your dad was in the forefront. Don't like do it properly. Yes, no, my dad, my dad was an infectious diseases specialist, hepatitis, and then in, once we got into the 80s, AIDS, and, and he, yes, we, we had to relocate to Atlanta where the Centre for Disease Control was so we could learn about the mm. American response to AIDS and he could sort of be part of the masterminding mm. of Australia's response. And so he would be, he's now dead, but he obviously, my mum was an infectious diseases nurse. I mean, no surprises how they met. My mum was an infectious diseases librarian. That's how it was our first bond. <laughs> but I, I also that you had a deep southern accent as a two-year-old, which I love. Yeah, we're really going on a tangent here. Yes, it's true. Atlanta, I had to. I was there yep. for a yep. year and I spoke like Olympia Dukakis in Steel Magnolias <laughs> when I was six years old. Is it any okay. wonder that him and I became friends? Yeah, so, so you have. We do not look kindly yes. upon conspiracy no. theorists when it comes to infectious yes. diseases in my okay. family. Mm-hmm. And what else did he say? So, yeah, he sort of said this, but then, no, well, see, this is, it's not firsthand evidence because obviously mm. I haven't been able to see him recently, but we've, there's a, I have a mutual friend that also mm-hmm. goes to him. And I said, I mentioned to him, um, oh, you know, I'm getting a bit of a weird vibe that maybe, you know, I, he's just said a few things, but he couched it as like, oh, my friend said this, my friend said this. And anyway, our mutual friend decided to push harder. And uh, and then unleashed it. I don't think it's something he's spouting to his clients normally, but when pushed, he he doubled down and said, yes, he believes <laughs> that the coronavirus is a, an elaborate conspiracy. I think it has – I don't know that he's linked it to Bill Gates and specifically. No 5G towers I don't – no, no. I think he's, he's – <laughs> gone down in his mind probably a slightly more plausible path but still one that you know the likes of QAnon and everyone are going down so what do I need to because I'm desperate for a haircut now and I'm already Mm. eyeing off three more weeks of Mm. this lockdown my hair needs attention it needs it from him but do Mm. I have to 
confront the situation with him before I return? Look, or should my- I just get the first haircut locked in? <laughs> <laughs> my only concern is that if he's a COVID denier, then he's not practicing COVID safe living. So my only concern is, look, I, you have your beliefs, I'll have mine. Like I don't believe everyone should subscribe to the Church of M. But if their subscription to their church is causing danger to me and my family, that would be my only, like, COVID deniers, sure, whatever. Let's not talk about it. I don't want to talk to you if you're a COVID denier. We won't have that discussion. But we'll talk about but other things. could you argue that COVID denying is causing danger? Not to my haircut, though. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean if, a, if a person say, because it has kind of come out today that the original Bunnings Karen now has COVID symptoms. So isn't that a great irony? Yeah, yeah. There's just an article that's just come out saying that she's posted a video of herself talking about how she has COVID symptoms. So wouldn't it be ironic? I mean, horrible, but Jesus Christ. The ultimate twist would be if Bunnings Karen was unleashed as one of the masked singers. (laughs) Would explain (laughs) so much. Jesus. But, I mean, I had a similar thing with a friend of mine, a guy who actually I've worked with, he posted this thing on Facebook and basically it said, I don't understand why we have to be on lockdown so some old people can't die when they're going to die soon anyway. And that was the crux of his Mm. very long rant. And I was horrified because this guy, he's like, he's gay, he's a father, like he's um, in the arts, he's someone I've known for a very long time and someone I would have definitely pegged as like a left-leaning, you know, Mm. like us. And no. He just went on this whole rant about how it's unfair and it's a conspiracy theory. But the whole idea that the government would want to knowingly send us into billions, almost we could get into trillions of dollars of debt, for what purpose? Mm. I don't understand. There's not the strongest logic there for mine. No. (laughs) The idea that it's a government control idea. I guess one thing that you could say is that typically when things like this happen, the government as long as they don't fatally mismanage it, the government tends to, people flock to the government and there are certainly some governments like Jacinda has done well. And you'd have to say Scott Morrison, who at the start of the year was sort of a bit in the toilet after the bushfires has Mm. turned things around. And you could say that it, you know, it's, 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 you flock to the leader when the nation is under threat as it's perceived to be. So I guess maybe that's one reason why, Mm. but also uh, the big theory, isn't the big theory that, someone they're going to sit on the fake vaccine and then make gazillions and trillions of dollars selling it to us because they've spent all this time convincing us that we need it or something like that. Isn't oh that Oh, my of it? God. I don't know. I just don't – I just – Do you Look, engage or do you – I don't engage. Cut, no, cut I don't. I, I don't engage at all because I just – it's not – it's not my job to educate dickheads it's, uh, 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 and it's like my kids understand it. It's the most basic idea. There is no way any government would knowingly send a, a state or a country into a, a horrible recession. It just, it's so, it's so ridiculous and people are dying. There are dead people with coronavirus on their death certificate and I've gone to a funeral. Like, it, no. So in terms of your hairdresser. <laughs> Bring it back to the key crisis. I, I don't think I could. I don't think. I, oh. I mean, one option is to just turn a blind eye, never mention it, and avoid the topic, and go in. Just get my funky mullet and leave. But can okay. I? Will I Give be able to get to chance. sleep that night? <laughs> Give him one more chance. Okay, so we're going to bait him. We're going to bait him. You're going to go get a haircut, and yeah. while you're there, you're going to openly. You're gonna. You're gonna do some in deep investigation. You're going to go okay. undercover. 
Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna say to him as he's cutting. <laughs> Should have you on a wire. Yeah. <laughs> feeding me. Ask him if he's been wearing a mask. Yeah. I, I want you to wait till he's three quarters done with your haircut because God, get the fucking haircut because it could be the last one you get from him. And then mm. I want you to say to him, God, the, I'm so glad we did that lockdown because the numbers have really dropped and you know hopefully now we're we're on our way to the up and up. Mm. Really bait him, and if he gives you a questionable response, that will be your last funky mullet. I'm soz. Oh, okay, good. I think that's a balanced response. That's Rational M. <laughs> rational M's come back. <laughs> she was neither too harsh nor too lenient. She took responsibility <laughs> but preserved the integrity of the mullet. <laughs> Correct. She's deep and she's shallow. Um, you know, to skip topics, um, my husband and I have been together for 20, 20 years next week. Oh, I mean, Congratulations. <laughs> Not to roll out of long-term international pandemic to long-term relationship. Wow. Yeah, 20 years we had our, our go. We had our first date at Revolver in Paran. Yeah. And look, as I've said a few times on this podcast, we've been doing it tough. We've been bickering a lot. And, um, you know, it's been hard. And a lot of people have contacted me after hearing you say, oh, Amy, oh, I'm sorry. Look, I'm sorry. I'm not, it's not, I'm not saying what it's right. <laughs> no, no, good for you. Blah, blah, blah. But what you're, have they contacted? What have they been saying? No, no, they've just been saying thank you for normalising arguing during the lockdown because yes. you know, it's, it's a big Everyone. deal. So I have to say my husband redeemed himself from all the arguing last night and um, – and I want to tell you a feel-good story about Scott because so often it is the opposite of that. Uh, <laughs> and I say that to you as my friend who gets the text messages and also to our friends who are listening to the edited versions of me whinging about my husband. So here's the story. It's a beautiful story. It's a sad story but ultimately nice. Elio and I were outside chalk drawing and a beautiful big magpie kind of waddled around the corner and she was walking. She wasn't flying, which was odd. And she kind of sat within 60 centimetres, two rulers lengths of us, 60 centimetres. And it was, and Elio was transfixed because he loves birdies, calls them Ds. Everything's a D or a wolf. There's no in between. <laughs> um, and so I'm like, oh, this, she's not right. But she was just really quiet and sat with us. And so I went inside and I said to Scott, there's a Maggie out there I'm worried about. I'm just going to, I'm going to wait, just give her a bit, to take out some water and just see how she goes. And then a couple hours later I said to him, can you come out with me? I want to look for this magpie. And so we went out together and we couldn't find her. So I was like, okay, maybe she's flown away and she's okay. So we came back in and then um, Scott got up the next day and said, and went outside and went for a ride and came back in and he said, oh, I found your magpie, she's died. And I burst into tears. Like oh. it was so it was such a disproportionate reaction to, <laughs> to what he told me. But I was just so sad. It was peak lockdown. Mm. It was it was the moment it's it was the straw peak. that broke the camel's back. It, it was. The, the the beautiful big Maggie who I feel like sought me out for help and I feel like I failed her. I feel like she knew I was a kindred spirit, an animal lover. Um, Odette, my daughter, once saved two magpies from death and has never been swooped since. We believe she's the magpie. Oh, she's got a good magpie karma. Yeah, I think all the magpies got together and said, you know what, that family, they're cool, they're cool. The magpies, we all, like, we are one with the magpies, my family. And then, oh, you've got someone at your house. <laughs> and then I cried and I said, well, we have to bury her. We can't leave her there. And Scott, my husband, did not miss a beat. Like, he Aww. could see. And he said, okay, I'll do it. 
but I'll need you to hold the torch, but you don't have to look. So we walked up there and I'm, it's pitch black. I'm in my gumboots and my dressing gown with my hand over my eyes, sobbing like a banshee, <laughs> holding my iPhone torch on the ground so Scott can dig a grave. Yeah. And then he and then he said, don't look, I'm picking her up. And so I looked away and he put her gently in the grave and then he buried her over and I was crying and crying and crying. And, you know, I just said a few little words about the Maggie and how I hope that she was okay and free. And he didn't judge me. He put his arm around me. He walked me in and he said, you know, things live and then they die and that's just the circle of life. And he quoted the Lion King and I just think of all the crap that he and I have gone through in this lockdown We've really turned a corner at the magpie funeral. So, oh, it's a beautiful story. <sighs> Thanks. That's more evidence as to why, to recall one of our earlier conversations, he would be a perfect first gentleman. <laughs> should he ever be called? Do you know there is a movie coming out? Yeah. Called Penguin Bloom that is about a a, a, a woman who has a, a mother of three who has a terrible accident and ends up. Um, paralyzed and is trying to heal and she befriends a little broken magpie and 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 it's Naomi Watts and Andrew Lincoln are in it and and it's this healing story I think I'm, I'm sensing it has a very different ending potentially than the one that you've talked oh. about but it's similarly about family love and oh. healing oh well I'll be watching that <laughs> people have been loving John was trying to contact aliens I've had so many messages Everyone is loving it. Contact has been made. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, so <laughs> from ball boys to magpie funerals, the 50th episode of Emsolation has delivered. Catharsis. It's delivered catharsis, I think. <laughs> but also, uh, Michael, what I have been busily doing uh, with our editor, Matt, is collating some of our finest moments over the past 50 episodes. And also we're going to reach a million downloads soon as well, which is incredible. Oh, my um, God. I know, it's terrifying, isn't it? So on Friday, a very special episode will be going out. It's our 50th episode edition uh, in where I have kind of, we, we put it out on social media and I got a lot of responses back on people's favourites. Like, I mean, overwhelmingly the d the 365 days was... <laughs> Surprise is not just a compilation of every single time we've talked about jizz on this podcast. Oh, yeah, no, there is uh, jizz chat. We do jizz chat. We talk about um, in the comp, you'll hear the Gaga jizz talk, the John Wayne Bobbitt chat, let sleeping penises lie, um, too hot to handle, Yoni. A lot of people love the eggs up the jutsas. So I just feel like our audience gets us. I feel seen. Everything they suggested was spot on. So, uh, Michael Lucas, on Friday, uh, everyone will be able to hear the last, the, the kind of the cherry-picking moments of the last 50 episodes. So, there you go. <laughs> Maybe a gentle reminder for us to step away from the political conventions and once again return to a trashy <laughs> Netflix movie and or reality show that is about either yonnies or jizz or sex on a yacht. I feel like we can do it all. Why does it have to be one or the other? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, I'll chat to you soon. Talk soon. Bye. This is Emsolation. Well, thank you so much for listening to this landmark ep. We hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, I hope you're okay with all the political talk. I mean, it's I just kind of talk about stuff I'm really into and what I'm consuming. That's kind of the guidelines for this podcast. So even if you're not into it, hopefully you're kind of living vicariously through Michael and mine's passion for it. 
don't forget a special episode Friday coming out of our top 10 moments from the last 50 episodes and a very personal thank you from me to you for coming along on this journey. You would have listened to episode one, a warm hug, thinking what the fuck is going to happen? And we've had 50 what the fuck has happened episodes since and I'm really proud of all of them and, you know, let's just keep going until it breaks, I guess, (laughs) or I break. (laughs) All right, guys, um, have a great day. Thank you for choosing us and don't forget about Friday and we'll chat soon. Bye. A Podcast One production.